KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Good morning, I'm Annika Colbert. It's Monday, June 7th. Mayor Todd Gloria is raising alarms about gun violence. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Hospitalizations in San Diego from the coronavirus have dropped to 91, nearly the lowest it's been in about a year. It's the fourth time this year hospital cases have dropped below 100. So far in San Diego, at least 2 million people have received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. And just in case you're counting, we're eight days away from June 15th, when most COVID-19 restrictions will be lifted in the state of California. Water agencies that serve the Fallbrook and Rainbow areas want to separate from the San Diego County Water Authority. They say rates have been rising without any real benefits to their customers. They want to join a Riverside Water Agency, which they say could save customers millions of dollars a year. Tom Kennedy is the general manager of the Rainbow Water Agency. We said, well, you know, why don't we just change wholesalers. A panel of local officials are weighing the issue and a decision isn't expected until the fall. Voters will then get a chance to make the final decision. A vigil to honor two San Diego Police Department detectives was held on Sunday. The two officers were a married couple, Ryan Park and Jamie Huntley Park, who died in a wrong way crash on Interstate 5 on Friday. The vigil was held at the park in the Harmony Grove Village neighborhood of Escondido. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by... Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. On Friday, a federal judge in San Diego overturned a three-decades-old ban on assault weapons in California. The judge ruled that, quote, the state's definition of illegal military-style rifles unlawfully deprives law-abiding Californians of weapons commonly allowed in most other states. The judge went on to compare an AR-15 to a Swiss Army knife, calling it the perfect weapon for home defense. California Attorney General Rob Bonta called the decision fundamentally flawed. He says he will file an appeal. On the same day in San Diego, Mayor Todd Gloria had joined Police Chief David Nislight and other local leaders in City Heights to raise awareness about rising gun violence both locally and across the country. KPBS's Max Rivlin Nadler says while awareness about the issue is there, approaches to addressing gun violence differ. At the onset of the pandemic, San Diego residents turned out in droves to gun shops worried that the deadly virus would cause a breakdown of civil society. While the worst fears of gun buyers weren't realized, there has been a significant rise in gun violence here and elsewhere. On Friday morning in City Heights, Mayor Todd Gloria marked Gun Violence Awareness Day, part of a national day of action meant to highlight the impact of gun violence on communities. Let's be really clear. Gun violence is an epidemic in this country. In many ways, it's unique to this country. And that's why we're here, because we know it doesn't have to be this way. We want to see change in America. 
Homicides in San Diego were up 35% in 2020 from the prior year, and two-thirds of the killings involved a gun. On Thursday night, Chief Nislight said a pursuit with a drunk driver ended with the recovery of a ghost gun in City Heights. A ghost gun is assembled with parts from multiple guns, so it can't be traced through firearm registries. Approaches to stemming gun violence in San Diego have differed. City Attorney Mara Elliott has helped the county lead the state in gun confiscations under the state's red flag law, which allows law enforcement to proactively take guns away from people who are at risk of committing violence. In 2020, county authorities confiscated guns in 483 separate instances. Bishop Cornelius Bowser helps lead Shafat Outreach, a San Diego faith-based organization that advocates for alternatives to the punitive approach law enforcement takes towards people likely to engage in gun violence. For example, it works with active gang members to mediate disputes in a way that avoids violence. That's how you, you prevent violence uh, and intervene in the violence. You go to those individuals that are involved in it and help them, help them to change. Not it, would everybody listen? No. But you most definitely can have a research has shown and data has shown that you can have an impact and decrease the violence if you reach to that population that's out there committing the violence. Bowser is working with the city to allocate further funding for his group. And that was KPBS's Max Rivlin Nadler. As the pandemic wanes, business is picking up everywhere, including in air travel. KPBS's John Carroll explains why a number of airlines think San Diego is a good bet and why they're adding more services to our airport. It's starting to look a lot more like 2019 at San Diego International Airport these days. Arrivals and departures are rebounding to their pre-pandemic levels, but our airport, the third busiest in California, did not escape the darkest days of the pandemic. The starkest comparison is found comparing April of 2019's numbers to April of last year. In April of 2020, we were down 95%. We're still not back to where we were before COVID hit, but airport spokesperson Sabrina Lopiccolo says we're getting there. Right now, we are down about 38%, and that is a dramatic uh, change uh, from last year during the same time. The ground loss during the pandemic is being made up partly by airlines adding new service to San Diego. Take Allegiant Air, for example. We started today, um, to Bozeman, Montana. We know there are going to be people that live in Montana that can't wait to get to the beach in San Diego. And we also know that there's going to be San Diego residents that have been locked down in the pandemic that would love to go see some national parks. Allegiant will launch a nonstop to Des Moines, Iowa, beginning in July. Southwest continues to be the dominant carrier in San Diego with the most flights. It's launching new nonstop service to Maui beginning this weekend, and they're adding another daily flight to Honolulu. But Alaska Airlines now serves more destinations than any other airline in San Diego, including a big recent addition, JFK. There's great demand both to San Diego and from San Diego, and we see an opening for a carrier like Alaska to come in and to make sure there's nonstop service to all the places people want to want to come from and, and, and go to. Like some of their competitors, Alaska has done something that might seem counterintuitive. They've added routes during the pandemic. But Brett Catlin says Alaska is thinking about the long-term picture. These may not be markets that turn a profit immediately, but we see long-term potential. And it was a, a great time to invest and to rethink about 
how we want to serve the community. It's thinking like that that's very reassuring to the people that run this airport, an airport that anticipates beginning construction on a major project next year, a replacement for the aging Terminal 1. We do anticipate uh, eventually getting up to, to pre-pandemic numbers and even more passengers in that. So, you know, this is really planning for the future. A future that, despite its space constraints and single runway, looks to be a bright spot for post-pandemic San Diego. And that was KPBS's John Carroll. California's population is declining, in part because there's been more deaths, fewer births, and more people moving out of the state during the pandemic. Cap Radio's health care reporter Sammy Kayola has more. Birth rates did go down during the pandemic, but it's part of a longer-term trend. The Public Policy Institute of California says in recent years, women in their 20s are having fewer babies, largely because they're living with their parents for longer, and that's related to California's high housing costs. The PPIC's new report found that between 2007 and 2020, birth rates in California fell faster than birth rates nationwide, which also dropped. Authors say in the past, dips in the birth rate have been countered by people immigrating into the state. But that's not the case anymore. And that was Cap Radio's Sammy Kaola. For the past year, students and alumni throughout California have been using Instagram accounts to share stories of trauma they experienced in high school. Many are graduating this month, but they say they've created lasting platforms for future generations of students to be heard. Holly J. McDeed had this story for the California Report. Lynn is a senior at Mira Mesa High School in San Diego County. We're only using her middle name to protect her identity. She says part of the goal of her Instagram account, Me Too in SD, is to educate young people about what healthy relationships are supposed to look like. I had no idea, and I know that's very common for, you know, these teenagers to really not know what is okay or what's not because nobody's telling us. Lynn says her experience as a survivor is what motivated her to start running the account last summer. She says she's gotten threats online because of her activism. There are dozens of Instagram accounts like hers throughout California, including one for students in the affluent Silicon Valley town of Los Gatos. Students and alums there started an advocacy group called From Survivors, Poor Survivors. Abby Berry, a Los Gatos graduate, is one of the founders. She and others organized a rally last July to address sexual assault on campus. She looked out at her school's football field and told everyone she was a survivor. I believe words have power. And if saying this out loud gives others reason to as well, then I will. Almost a year later, Abby says the students leading this movement may not have moved mountains, but they started a conversation that wasn't happening before. And that was Holly J. McDeed from the California Report. Coming up, a look at how San Diego has been spending money on outside public relations agencies, plus the so-called bottle bill and how it will change bottle recycling in the state. Those are next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. 
Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Whether you live in San Diego, North County, East County, or the South Bay, there's a chance that your city is spending an increasing share of public dollars not on public workers, but on outside public relation agencies. They're hired to perform a wide spectrum of tasks, from police recruitment to social media management. Voice of San Diego found that millions are being spent on these projects, despite many of these cities having staff that in the past handled this kind of work. So Sophia Mejias-Pasco is the reporter on the story, and she joined Claire Tregesser on the KPBS Roundtable. Here's that interview. You start with the work one company, Loma Media, is doing with San Diego Police. So tell us about that work. Right. So Loma Media was hired by the San Diego Police Department most recently in 2018 for a recruitment campaign for the department. Essentially, Loma Media came in to help create a brand for SDPD and market that brand to potential recruits. And this process included a very strategic and aggressive plan. It used slogans, taglines, paid media campaigns, billboards, social media, television, online ads. So it was a very expansive and an expensive project. It was a $350,000 contract between two phases of implementation. And have they seen a return on that investment? Well, SDPD hasn't told us much about their work with the PR firm, but for Loma Media, at least, the work was a success. They list their campaign with SDPD as a model on their website. They said they helped SDPD bring in its largest academy class in 25 years. Uh, They also said they directed a record number of recruits to SDPD's online recruitment website, increasing sessions on the landing page by almost 150%. So if their goal was to attract and bring in more police recruits, it certainly seems like they achieved that. So that's sort of their own tracking, not not numbers from the police department. So we kind of have to take their their word for it on that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The police department really hasn't said much at all. They kind of just gave us the one uh, sentence response to our requests uh, for information about the kind of work that they did with uh, Loma Media. Right. And and as we've been saying, this has really taken off in recent years. You report that San Diego spent $15 million in 2020 compared to just half a million in 2011. So where is this extra money coming from? Yeah, so at least for the county, a spokesman told us that ultimately the increase in spending came from a bigger availability of grants that the county uses to fund these PR contracts. As I noted in the story, 14 million of that 15 million spent in 2020 was spent on just one contract under the Health and Human Services Agency in San Diego, and that was for a suicide prevention campaign. And the spokesperson told me that these, you know, these types of massive campaigns for mental health or anti-smoking are 
are examples of the primary reasons that the county is spending large amounts of money in single contracts and why they're spending an increased amount of money over the past decade. And then Chula Vista also hired a PR agency to work on a social media campaign to boost tourism. Does the city believe that it was worth it? Yeah, definitely. The city does believe in this type of PR work. The marketing and communications manager for Chula Vista and Steinberger said that the city's PR contracts over the years has helped to increase awareness and attention towards Chula Vista, both on social media platforms and at events and attractions in the city. And like a lot of these PR contracts, Chula Vista got the opportunity to brand itself to the public. They have hashtags and taglines, and promotional videos, and a website. And it's helpful to keep in mind that Chula Vista has been trying for years to elevate itself, elevate its reputation from a bedroom community to somewhere that can bring in business and tourism and innovation. And they've tried to achieve this heightened reputation through their police department's drone program, as we've talked about before. So I think, you know, this combined with what they've done before in the past, I think Chula Vista is a good example of how and why cities are using PR work to boost their reputation. And then you also described some projects that sound pretty mundane, like publicity for a water utility in Oceanside. Why did the city feel that was necessary? So in in the city of Oceanside, there are no staff exclusively devoted to communications work. So they already feel understaffed in that sense. And the city also has hundreds of millions of dollars worth of capital improvement projects underway each year. And all those projects, which you know, include water conservation, solid waste and recycling, and watershed protection, those can cause disruptions for residents who live in Oceanside. And those residents sometimes have questions or complaints about the work happening. So that's where a PR group can step in to field questions from the public, uh, manage disputes, and explain the projects that the city is working on. And all of these cities have employees, we should say, who are paid specifically to do communications and PR. So I'm wondering why these outside experts are needed. Is this maybe a story about the evolution of media and how we consume information where government staffers are just not keeping up with new methods of communicating? Yeah, well, I I definitely think that's part of the story. I mean, yes, the way that the public consume media and information has changed so much just in the last, you know, decade. And I think public agencies have generally been slower to jump onto, you know, social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook to be able to reach the public um, in the new ways that they've been consuming information. But I also think that for some agencies, the work of Branding and marketing and social media is a completely different realm than what they consider their work to be, which is communicating directly to the public with service information, internal communication within agencies and organizing press conferences. So, you know, for some communication staff, in some cases, this work is much different than what some PR companies do, which is, you know, editing videos and making posts for social media, developing slogans and all that. So government staffers just feel that they don't have the same access to these types of tools and resources, which is why they say it's more efficient in some cases to hire out the work to PR firms. And do you get the sense in your reporting that this trend will continue? Definitely. One official from San Diego County already told us that the county's work with PR firms will continue. And I think the fact that so many of these contracts seem to be smaller but more regular contracts point to the fact that there's a continued reliance on PR professionals on a day-to-day basis to help the public uh, help public agencies shape a narrative and, and brand for themselves. 
That was Sophia Mejias-Pascoe, a reporter for The Voice of San Diego, speaking with KPBS's Claire Trigeser on The Roundtable. The California Senate passed a bill last week that would dramatically change the way bottle recycling works in the state. Senator Bob Wykowski of Fremont wrote the bill because, he says, the current system isn't working and hasn't been working for years. He joined Cap Radio News anchor Randall White to explain how the new system would work. Senator Wykowski, currently the responsibility for recycling bottles is on the consumer, but your bill shifts that to the distributors? Well, it really uh, shifts it to the manufacturers. It's an extended producer responsibility. We want the people who make the bottles, make the soft drinks and the beers, and bring them in. They're ultimately financially the ones that are responsible. Instead of having the state of California try to herd and uh, collect all these manufacturers from all over the world, it's easy to use the distributors as the point of entry when they come into the state. So it's an accounting uh, perspective, but that's the easiest way to get it done. Senator, the deposit-based system we currently have has been in place for more than 30 years. Why do you think it's taken until now to address its issues? Well, there's 75 uh, other bills, amendments, statutes has been changed where we've given entitled people to different things. And they're good. You know, we want to give $10 million to the plastic industry to try to figure out how to plaster. Give $15 million to curbside. Give some money to the local CCs. That adds up to 17 different programs that we have that we subsidize it. And remember, the program is designed so that, that we look at the world price of aluminum and plastic and, and glass. And the state of California is sort of clunky. It's not nimble like private industry where it can change as those world prices fluctuate. So we're going to shift it to the the people who know, who run this business, the private industry, to let them come up with a stewardship program. They get to design it. The people that actually recycle, they're going to put together the program and then Cal Recycle is going to approve it. And the problem, Senator, right now is that the the bottles just aren't making it back into the recycling system. They're, they're ending up in landfill? Yeah, we're, we're at about 58% recycling right now. I mean, they may quibble with 59, but, you know, we're supposed to be, this bill, SB38, says you must meet an 85% recycling rate. We're going to make the consumer, which are our, our constituents, the elected leaders of the state of California, we're going to make it convenient for them. We're going to have... 20 times, 30 times more recycling sites where you can have an easy drop-off, you have a vending machine, something that makes it seamless. Your bill did pass by a good margin in the Senate, 23 to 8, but it wasn't unanimous. What is the main argument for opponents? Well, I think it's everybody likes the status quo. Whenever, you know, we're in we're in the game-changing business in, in the legislature. We, we have some the status is this and we want to change it. There's a lot of folks who... Um, are friends with the, the haulers or friends with the recyclers and, and thinking, oh, this one business in my district is going to be hurt. Because whenever you do fundamental change, I mean, we're, saying we're getting rid of the whole program and setting it up. A lot of people are antsy. But, you know, we've done a lot of environmental work. And I think uh, the assembly is going to uh, look at this as, as a, an opportunity for them to fix it for their constituents. And the governor has indicated that he might sign this? Yeah, Um the indications we've got from the uh, uh, EPA and from recycling director is that the governor wants to see something done this year. So we're going to give him a bill. 
That was Senator Bob Wykowski of Fremont, author of California's new bottle bill. He was speaking with Cap Radio's Randall White. For now, the legislation is headed for the state assembly. That's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thank you for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.